Greetings and welcome back to Bombadil's Porch. Bombadilio. Yes, here we sit two weeks in a row, gentlemen. Ooh. Uh, after our month-long streak. Yes. And Caleb, I noticed for this time of day, you are full of energy over That here. is true. You really? are unusually perky. I was feeling sleepy, but uh, that's good. <laughs> Get your arms up behind oh, you. Well, totally just relax. Yeah. And he's not working on something else. <laughs> well, not That's also new for a while. I'll, re- I'll remember it. Do you have your laptop over there? Well, you know, he doesn't have his laptop, so... It's over here. Oh, it's on over a, there. Okay. On a typical, I can pull it out. <laughs> when I leave here, because typically we record on Thursdays, and I head home, Nita will ask how it went. And I can almost always tell the son when Caleb's going to be preaching the following Sunday because he's only working on his sermon the whole time with his laptop during the recording. But not well, today. Chris can tell when he gets a bunch of emails, <laughs> yes. life group notes, and whatever else. Yep. <laughs> oh well, guys, it is great to be here with you. Now, for you, the listener, we uh, the three of us have been talking for almost ninety minutes before we pressed record because <laughs> a lot's been going on. That's what one does on a porch. There we, we go. So. Yeah. Um, and 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 today. Today, a lot of a lot of great conversation. I guess the first topic we'll get into is is first of all the absolute mercy and grace of mm. of the Lord, and and specifically, I'll share with 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 you, listener, that um, uh, today's Thursday, so last Saturday, uh, four or five of the youth kids in the youth group here, right. We're walking along a residential street here in the valley. They're on the sidewalk. And they and four of them were struck mm-hmm. by by a car, and and so uh, for those of us parents that got the call, uh, we ran over there, drove over there, and um, and and then all of us saw each other again at a local hospital in the ER as as our kids were wheeled in, and and praise God, praise mm-hmm. God that no one was killed, uh, mm-hmm. considering that um, you've you know when it comes to pedestrians getting hit by mm. cars there's these these tend to be uh really brutal situations and 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 as as uh, my Katie um again to God's glory uh one of the kids went to a local hospital and was immediately released they mm-hmm. just wanted to check her out and i think she is i i saw her twice this week so she seemed to be in good health um Two of the boys that got hit mm-hmm. um, that I was looking down the hallway there in the ER and saw them and their their families. They've been discharged, thank God. Uh, I think one even came to church the following morning. <laughs> yes, he did. Wearing, wearing sunglasses, I heard, to cover up all the, the head wound. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the road rash and whatnot. Uh, and, then, and then my oldest, Katie, who's 16, uh, she was in the ICU. Uh, Saturday night into Sunday, and then was transferred over to the pediatrics uh, specialty unit, and and is home now. Got to come home yesterday, and I know for all of them, mm-hmm. and even the young woman that that right. was not hit, who in some ways probably got the worst of it because she saw her friends mm. flung all over the place, and um, they don't. Many of them don't even really remember what happened, but right. she does. So, mm-hmm. um, I just. And had called the group together in the first place and yeah. felt very responsible. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, there's nothing, she, she bears no responsibility no, whatsoever. but it feels bad. Um, you know, immediately it's human nature, at least in the, the dozens of conversations as people have reached out this week to me that, you know, the question is, you know, was this a drunk driver? You know, there's a sense of outrage and, mm-hmm. and it was not that I, as I understand it, as I understand it from the, the, the sheriff's deputies that came by to talk afterwards, uh, it just seems like something that was a terrible freak accident. And, and um, you know, we'll learn more here in the weeks ahead about right. specifically mm-hmm. what happened. But 
I would just, I go back to, um, let me see what day it was. I can't remember what day it was, but shortly after I was driving home to get some things for Anita to take back to the hospital when it became clear we were going to be spending um, several days mm. there. Um, was stopped at the light nearby and just kind of out of impulse turned down that way, uh, parked the car right where it happened. And I was just overwhelmed and in, in so many ways at the grace of God. And, and as I think, think about it, so many people were praying, hundreds of people were praying across many different churches. Um, so greatly appreciated by Mm. the way. Um, but as I was thinking about it here, we were, we were praying for healing for our kids that had been bruised, battered, banged up. Um, but God had already answered really what the ultimate prayer request would have been. He spared Mm. their lives. And Mm. as I sat there looking at the damage to, you know, see that where the car jumped the curb and, uh, went through a fence and off into a field. I mean, the, the, all these things, I just realized that what a blessing that there weren't bouquets of flowers leaning against that fence. Mm. Um, because that's what you so often see, right? You, you, no you, joke. you, you lose, you lose loved ones in an instant. So I just, again, come back to, uh, this week, a lot of the calls I got were secular contacts, clients, uh, coworkers, various other people in the industry, competitors, uh, just as the word sort of trickled out. And, um, and it was just interesting, sad, but also interesting in the midst of these secular people that I was in, dealing with, they were expressing their, their really heartfelt compassion for us. And I deeply appreciate it. They're, they're a family of sorts for me. Um, but in the midst of it, you know, it was these phrases, they were doing their best to express the things that we, the people of God, very easily express. We say, I'm praying for you. And of course, mm-hmm. by that, I mean, we are, we are lifting you and your family up before the almighty God, who is our father to intercede on your behalf, on your loved one's behalf and heal and protect and in the mid and, and to, to rescue us. Right. And the world doesn't have that. The world tries to counterfeit it. I don't even think they mean to, they just, they Mm. realize they can't use those words. And so they fill the gap, the void with words like, you know, sending thoughts your way. And it's kind of interesting. I I think if I were them, I'd probably, I probably wouldn't like saying that to someone because it feels empty to even say it. Um, But I think it also reflects though, that, that even the lost have a desire um, in times like this to show love, to show compassion, uh, but they lack the full capability to do that in which, you know, we, the people that God has redeemed in spite of ourselves, he's given us that ability. And so I just, I could, uh, it's a great, as we were talking earlier, as to, uh, Chris, uh, one of the things that um, came into our conversation was um, there's certain period of time here that, that we can really bring glory to the Lord in saying he is the one that protected those kids from from greater harm, he is the one that protected that driver um, from greater harm. As I understand it, um, they were unin- uninjured. Thank God for that. And he's also the one that orchestrated all the hundreds of little connections um, in the ambulances and at the hospital, in the emergency room, and with the physicians and the neurologists and just the dozens of people, um, the security that were there to, um, to help try to, you know, calm some of the kids down in particular one. And, uh, because <laughs> it, it was serious head trauma, people do not act themselves. Right. And so I just, I, I am so grateful to him 
and also for the opportunities, even with other staff, physicians, nurses, et cetera, opportunities to talk about how God had, had, had protected our kids. So, um, cause that, they were even amazed. Yes. Yes. Uh, we were talking to, I was talking to one of the students, um, and he was describing getting his IV in, and uh, apparently he has very good veins for getting an IV. His mom <laughs> does a lot of blood work and stuff, and she's always told her son, you have great veins. And so he was not looking forward to getting his IV, and they missed the first time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Getting ready to try for the second try. And he said, I'm sorry, you know, we, we got the message, five kids hit by a car or involved in this accident. And he said, just, we were preparing for just carnage, you know? Yeah. And, and so he's like, my hands are still shaking because mm. it just, it rattled them even mm. just anticipation of what they expected to see after what had taken mm-hmm. place. And even they were really quite yeah. amazed to see, um, I mean, three of them that were at that hospital walking out, going yeah. home that mm. night. And, and then, uh, you know, you mentioned Katie, she's had the most serious yeah. uh, injuries, but even to see that, uh, what could have been so much, more serious, even in her case, as serious as it was, uh, her protecting her brain and uh, yeah. and things like that. Just what an amazing mercy of God. Mm. I, I, I amen to that. Amen over and over again. Also, I, I think it's important to, to point out as we talk here, the importance of of the body of Christ, because uh, as as the various families as we've gone through this scare, terrible mm-hmm. scare, we also have this joy about God's miraculous protection of our kids. We didn't go through this alone. We we had a church family rally around us. Um, you know, Chris, I so appreciate you and 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 Ben coming in. It wasn't just you guys; like other people mm-hmm. were showing up at the at the hospital there. And, um, and for some reason they kept letting people in, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> that, that surprised me. I mean, I thought I was kind of sneaking you in. I was, you know, telling the lady there, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like uh, one of the pastors and, uh, she, <laughs> she's like, just hands a sticker. Yep. Thank you, Lord. Um, and then others coming in and again, just, just the, the family of God, uh, rallies. And I think that's the Holy Spirit giving us wisdom and giving us a sense of compassion, sense of, of, of love so that we, when we, we love our neighbor in times like this, we, um, uh, we've had people showing up with meals and, and I think we were talking earlier too, like, you know, we're in a position where we could order pizza, you know, it's not like we are destitute. We will go hungry without, but it is such a meaningful mm. blessing to have someone do that to you. I right. mean, you know, it was, you know, it was prepared with love and, and you know, it's a blessing from the Lord. And it's just such a wonderful thing to have people uh, sacrifice on your behalf. Uh, we had now, and there were a lot of the, our, our community that our family's a part of extends beyond our, our church families. Uh, and I say that plural because we've been part of a few different church families here in the area. And so, um, but also part of the school community, I, I got, Nita and I both got calls from school administrators uh, in the district offering any help they could. We got emails from principals. We got, um, we got messages from teachers mm-hmm. and, or, and, and orchestra directors mm-hmm. and, uh, even had a bunch of a bunch of kids. I mean, they filled up the cul-de-sac with their cars, and they all can. I I'm, I got to watch them on the ring camera right? <laughs> um, out there decorating the front of the house with streamers and 
Random yeah. acts of kindness has turned into recorded acts of kindness. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and I do love the random too. I think that's so cool. Like sometimes we were talking about this earlier. Sometimes I think because we live in such a such a structured world, very imperfect, but our society is quite structured. And there seems to be an organized structure for everything, right? Mm. And I think what's been, and that's good. That has great power. But I think that's something we greatly appreciated too, is the random X that people would mm. show up with. And so like those kids putting, deck, taping hundreds of hearts with handwritten messages on them uh, to the front of the house and flowers and cards and uh, people down the street, you know, showing up with Domino's gift cards. I mean, it was, it's just, it, it, it is a... It is a wonderful display of, I'd say, community reaching out to help its own, uh, certainly within the body of Christ, but even more broadly than that. Uh, and I think this is what's really interesting about the the unsaved world that we live in. And Chris, you and I were texting the mm-hmm. other day, you know, in the world, not of the world. And I think this is a great time where as the secular world, they, they it must be being created in the image of God, even though they haven't been redeemed, they haven't been saved by the, by the Lord. Um, there's a desire to help a desire to, and, and, and these are, these are reflections of the Lord. I mean, God is a God of help, right? A mm-hmm. God of rescue, a God of providence and mm-hmm. protection. So you kind of see little, sh- little glimmers of that. Um, and I think though, for the, for us as believers, this is a great opportunity to not only accept and thank them and show gratitude for their outreach because they genuinely appreciate the the love that they're displaying, um, but then also introduce them to the real author of all that. And they may not know, they, but they don't know him yet, right? So what a great opportunity mm-hmm. for all of us to to bring glory to the Lord for his wonderful intervention on our kids' behalf, and then also bring glory to him by introducing people to him. You know, this is, this is where these impulses come mm-hmm. from. They come from him. Would you like to know him? Those sorts of conversations. Right. I feel like in conversations like this, I always want to be careful. I think of those who would listen to a conversation like this and they've, they've had experiences where it was not God's will uh, to spare life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's hard. And I don't think it's wrong to celebrate the mercy of God in situations mm. like this, because that is part of who God is. There are times when, when God's mercy is what they used to call a severe mercy mm. and he demonstrates his goodness, even despite mm. loss and death. And we have a God who's big enough to do that. But when he gives us these, these opportunities to see that snatching from the jaws mm. of death, uh, what a, what a wonderful picture that is mm-hmm. that he can save from and he can save through. And in both cases, he is a God that can be praised. And so I, I don't want to forget those who, who grieve loss where that mm-hmm. was God's will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're thankful that our God is big enough for both situations. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I've received some interesting, uh, you know, believe as believers, we, we encourage each other in ways that are deeply appreciated, but often not surprising, right? <laughs> there have been a few messages that have come my way this week that were pretty surprising. Some One, one message I got was uh, from, from a physician friend. He does not know the Lord, um, but uh, I appreciated his outreach, offered any help he could. Uh, and then at the tail end of it, and uh, I'm not sure how he exactly how he meant this. He said that something along the lines of... Um, uh, 
be praying that old Joe Smith up above pulls the right strings for you or something like that. So I was like, wow, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Uh, I mean, I know where he's coming from, but it, I'm not sure if it's, if it's, is, is this an irreverent <laughs> joke about his own faith or his own beliefs? <laughs> hmm. uh, but the, the night, the reason, funny. I, the reason I bring that up is these open doors for follow-up conversations. Yep. Right. Hmm. And, um, and so I just, I, Continue, and I don't want to be too repetitive. Let's put it this way: I'm about to be repetitive, and and it is just again praising God mm. for for His mercy. And to Amen. your point, Chris, like I, I lost my father a couple of years ago. It was not, and we prayed for months. It wasn't a sudden thing. It was a very gradual, painful thing. Um, and in that case, God's mercy was to take him home. Right. And um, and. And it, to your to your point, God manifests His grace and mercy in all kinds of different ways. I think for the Christian, that's not simply looking at the few decades we have on this in this life, but looking at the long term. Uh, God will manifest His mercy in all kinds of ways, and ultimately, right. those of us who who know Christ as our Savior have been saved by His grace because of His his work that he did on the cross to cleanse us of our sins. And because of his resurrection, uh, because of that truth, uh, we aren't just looking at the few decades here. We, we have an eternity in front of us uh, to spend with him and with one another. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. I would be curious to see, and maybe you even have some predictions. Um, I was talking to, um, a, a student last night, one of the, one of the individuals that went through this and, and she was asking about how, how do you think through these things as far as wanting to understand how it's affected you, not wanting to make the things you've suffered your identity, mm. but being shaped by them, uh, as you, as you've watched this play out in your family, um, what are some of the ways that, that you've seen, um, not not God building your identity around suffering or around hardship, but using that to shape um, and and to grow you uh, specifically, practically. What what do you see God doing uh, as a fruit of of walking through this trial? Uh, that's that's interesting. Or is it too early? <laughs> it's pretty early yet, but I think there are some things. One of the one of the passions that God's given to me and Anita, um, probably more recently, we were both came to know Christ as, as youngsters long before we had met. Um, and now as adults, one of the areas that God has really given us a burden in is, is outreach in terms of evangelistic outreach, being much more purposeful. And even, um, even to the extent now I would think like, like where we would choose to live and just different things like that. Right. So he's really given us a heart for that. And, and then also discipleship, um, being, being a part of, of, uh, really mentoring and, and, and investing in people on a personal level and so that we can all grow closer to him and, and, and look more like Christ in the way we live out our daily lives. And I'd say in, in the context of both those things, this, this week, a few things that have really touched us and we've made note of, we're like, wow, because some people are really good at this kind of thing. And and we need to learn from people that are really good at it. And I would say some of the, we talk about random acts of kindness, just some of the spontaneity hmm. of brothers and sisters in the Lord that have gotten in touch and, and said something, you know, as simple, as straightforward as, Hey, I'm going to bring you dinner tonight or tomorrow night. Um, how do tacos sound? Hmm. And, and we are, we're not the kind of people that 
I guess maybe it's pride. I'm not sure why, but there's part of us that would probably want to respond. Oh, don't trouble yourself. Mm -hmm. We've got it covered. And God's sort of changed our hearts in that regard. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, thank you. Like, like to Mm -hmm. receive, to receive that kind of generosity, that kind of spontaneous, uh, love filled generosity is it's a blessing to us. And I think it's also a blessing to the giver. Mm-hmm. I mean, God moved them to, to to minister to someone. In this case, it happens to be us that are in need. And so I think that kind of, in terms of a lesson learned for us, we're like, you know, we, that, that comes, that comes from probably just listening to God's voice. And, and I think sometimes I've certainly been guilty of this, where there's an area of need, I see it. And then I think to myself, oh, I need to pray about this. And sometimes it's like, I, now I kind of sense the Lord at times saying, why are you praying? You know what I want you to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Get over there and help. Um, you know, in the story of the Good Samaritan, you don't see the Samaritan getting down to pray about, do I need, you know, please protect me from the robbers who might still be. I mean, mm-hmm. he just goes and responds, right? So I think that's an area that the Lord is teaching us. Um, in, in terms of how can we be better, better uh, members of the body of Christ? Mm. By better, I mean just more giving and, and more loving, in, in the way that we reach out to others. I'd say another area is, um, you know, something like this. To your point, it, I think the world right now, the society we live in, tends to look for these things to define your themselves, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, because you can't, you know, if you want to give a really compelling TED talk, you got to talk about some terrible thing you've been through and then how you have risen up from the ashes like a phoenix. That's right. And, um, and pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and... and See, now I'm curious. I want to look up TED Talks. Frequency of the use of the word phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think as you look that up, the... Uh, that is not, the Christian has not been called to do that. I think the Christian has been called to not glory in where I once was and where I now am, but to glory in where I once was, who Christ is and what he has done and where he's carrying me. What is the answer? You're not wrong. <laughs> wow, look at that. So what was the, uh, we're looking at a graph here, folks. We are looking at a graph. And um, only Chris would know where to go to find this. Some kind of a Google, a Google link. Ngram viewer. They just sort of scour their uh, database of scanned texts, so it, which it, is extensive. It looks like we, yeah, eight. what was it? 1810 mm-hmm. appears to have been a high point for the use of the word Phoenix. <laughs> yes, there was a lot. But then it steadily dropped to a low point right around 1920. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it came up a bit. But then starting around late 80s, let's call it early 90s. Oh, yes. All of a sudden, it went hockey stick. I wish I bought stock in the word Phoenix or exactly. copyright. Yeah. yeah. It is just so, up. So, yeah, so you are correct. Your observation is spot on. <laughs> uh, Phoenix rising from the ashes to, unto glory. <laughs> um, and, and I just think for the, for the believer... You know, you've, have you guys noticed this uh, in testimonies? As a kid, I used to think I had a boring testimony because I did not have a Phoenix testimony. Um, a, <laughs> right? a story of incarceration and drug mm. dealing and and drunken, you know. Yeah, if you didn't do drugs or get somebody pregnant, then you have a boring testimony. Yeah, I just, you know, God 
put me in a family where he knew I'd hear the gospel at a young age and he knew and I, and, and I respond, you know, he saved me as a, as a kid. And uh, I used to think I had a boring testimony because of that, but it's because I'm living in a time of the Phoenix, you know, it's not a boring testimony at all. It's actually a testimony of his grace. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think sometimes we act like our testimony is just about us yes. in a nutshell and it, and it's not right. My testimony goes goes way back right mm-hmm. and yeah. and all the things that god has done to even bring about the fact that i was born the to bring about how god brought the gospel to me and drew right. me to himself i mean that there's amazing crazy stories involved in all those things yeah. right for everybody for, I, I mean my testimony in fact starts with my parents both of them did not grow up in christian homes both of them grew up in mm-hmm. broken dysfunctional pain-filled homes, some in, in some case abuse. And um, and then God saved them both in their later teenage years. And then they met each other, they got married. Mm. They had no point of reference about what a god what a good husband, a godly husband looked like. No, no point of reference about what a good mom, godly mom would look like. And yet my sister and I, because there's just two of us, we grew up in a home that uh, was secure, safe, fun, godly. Hmm. Um, Amen. Not perfect, but there, that doesn't exist in this fallen world hmm. that we're in. No. Um, but I mean, that after a while, I realized that's the power of my testimony that God mm-hmm. rescued mom and dad. And then somehow, again, the work of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in their lives, they were able with without any kind of point of reference or models to look at other than the Christians that they probably knew in their their first churches yeah. that they attended when they got saved. Um, you're, wow. You're I mean, a I, miracle I, of generational yeah. redemption and restoration. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a testimony not of how bad I was or how bad mom and dad were. Uh, that's a testimony of how good God is. Amen. And, and how we, we, God is a God of transformation, mm-hmm. uh, supernatural transformation of people. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know we've got a couple topics to hit on today, but I wanted to, and I appreciate you guys letting me monologue there a little bit. If well, anything, bring glo- <laughs> again, continue to praise mm-hmm. and thank God for his, well, for this his is generosity. A, this is a big deal. Yeah. Registered trademark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this, is, is. Uh, this is not a small thing. And, um, before we completely move off it, since we are three dads on the porch, when these things come, there's a unique role that a father must play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, that's not to diminish the strength and an agency of everybody involved. And I know you've mentioned how all your family members and even extended family members have been involved in this process, but there's a unique responsibility for the family and for its well being that falls on a father. Mm-hmm. And when these moments of crisis come and there's a lot that's still unknown and there's a lot of, of chaos surrounding information, uh, emotions, mm-hmm. um, circumstances, you're the one that they rightly look to, to lead. And I would just be kind of curious, um, as, as a father, as the head of your home, what was that like walking through this journey in that role? Mm. Or is that too loaded of a question right now? No, I, I'll do my best. I'll probably, that the answer will probably evolve over time. Fair enough. But, um, I, I think probably like most dads, you, uh, we were talking about this, I would have said a little bit ago, now like two hours ago. <laughs> but um, I think most many dads 
I just probably fell in and maybe this is how the Lord equips fathers, right? Um, you fall into, as you arrive at the scene, well, first of all, just leaving the house with a minute's notice, like we got to go. Um, you, you're trying to get there, keep a cool head. And, um, and then once you show up, just find the places where things need to be done. Um, showing up, telling the EMTs, this is my daughter you're putting in the ambulance. Um, and then being reasonable with them. This is, you know, so I think I, I see some, <laughs> see some terrible videos, good old YouTube or YouTube right. recycles, TikTok, and you see people screaming at EMTs because somehow my stress means I get to abuse someone who's doing their job or right. is helping my family. So I think all that stuff is, <laughs> is it's uh, at its most basic level is not useful. <laughs> um, Understatement. Yeah. Alert. yeah. And so, hmm. and then, you know, seeing in this case, seeing Katie hmm. in her state of mind and Nita, Nita, can you get in the ambulance with her? And Anita's kind of falls into a similar mindset of your, um, you're just taking care of things on the drive to the scene, not knowing what's going on, making where, where are the other kids? Well, Jack's in the car mm-hmm. with us. Where's Mandy? She's at a party with a friend. Um, hmm. Later that night. Oh, somebody needs to let the dog out. I mean, like you, yeah. it's, it's crazy that like, but there's these things as a dad or as parents, but certainly as a dad, you, you have to tend to one of the other things I think was interesting at the, uh, the emergency room and Nita and I talked about this later on. Uh, probably a couple of days later when we got, maybe even that night, it all just kind of blends together um, the time frame. But you, you, you want to take care of your other kids and, and you, there's different ways. Like everybody responds to things differently. And when you, when they see their sibling there and, you know, in, in Kate's case at that point, sedated and intubated, um, you know, there's just different responses to that. Yeah. So you're taking care That's of your hard. kids, but you're also taking care of, your friends and relatives, they're all around you too. And so, um, you're kind of taking care of them. And, and then also I will say you greatly appreciate everyone that comes and you want to thank them. So, um, it reminds me of when we finally got Katie wheeled out of ER, she was getting transferred upstairs to the ICU. And, um, I was there with the nurses and they're wheeling the bed down that giant hallway Mm -hmm. down to the patient elevators. And, um, she says, uh, where's mom? about Nita and Nita had already checked in with me. She said she was going to make sure everybody out in the lobby knew how grateful we were that they came. So she was out there mm. kind of that maternal instinct, but against people that right. are not her children, some <laughs> yeah. people who are older than her. Right. <laughs> so I just, I think as a dad and not to say that I did anything, do anything right. It's, it's, I just pray that I do, but I think you, what you find is, is, all the stereotypes of dads that the world has, the Homer Simpson mm. stereotype, mm. the, uh, the family guy. I mean, just, there's all these stereotypes of dads. Those as mm-hmm. kind of the meathead, uh, the jokester. And yeah, we tend, do tend to be the jokesters. Right. But dad jokes. Yeah. No are doubt required. It's a thing, right? <laughs> um, I'm sure it was probably in one of Paul's letters that did not make the <laughs> canon, um, emphasis on dad jokes there. But, uh, I just, there's times though, where God has equipped us to, uh, and I think this is an area you go with it, you go with it and you, and you walk, mm-hmm. do walk in your, in the spirit, but God's equipped us to de-emotionalize in a situation, not that you don't care, but you sort of point up, 
push that to the back of your mind and you say, God, please help me deal with this when there's time. But right now well, it's a hyper care that's, that's mm-hmm. channeled into responsibility yeah, as opposed to channeled into experience at that point. Yeah. You're, you're, it doesn't help anybody, especially your family to start yelling and, and just being a, a loose cannon. Right. Uh, right. So, and, and I think any dad could probably relate to that in, in most dads, I should say, could probably relate to that. And I, I think the other area too is in the midst of everything, just continuing to come back to the Lord. And I think there's a lot that you can do in the flesh. Uh, there are a lot of unsaved guys that can do what I just described. And some of them are such professionals uh, that they can mm-hmm. do this with, with great, uh, great calm and style even. Right. Um, <laughs> some of these guys have massive, uh, YouTube followings, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I think you can get a lot done in the flesh, but the fruit is limited. And right. I think that it, God, God has not called us to walk this thing called the Christian life on our own. He's called us to walk by the spirit and he's called us to be filled by the spirit. And he's called us and amongst everything else, He's called us to draw on him for that strength. And, and I think that's an area that's just is so critical. Um, and that will, will continue to, to lean on the Lord for. So I, I don't know if I Amen. necessarily no, answered your question. I probably, you know, meandered there a bit. No, that was good. And, and I'm thankful for the example that, that you modeled, um, there in the hospital that you've continued to model of stepping up, taking that responsibility. Uh, I think sometimes that, uh, that can be overlooked. There is a uniqueness when when a trial hits a family. It, it hits each individual individually, uh, and there's their their personal experience that goes with that. But there is an there is a unique burden, um, and then there's a unique added element to whoever's responsible mm. and and to a father. And he carries he carries a load that's unique. And it's been interesting in the last few years. I've had a chance to talk to a number of fathers have lost spouses or or children or, or loved ones or been through pretty uh, difficult and traumatic uh, experiences that have affected their family. And it's always fascinating asking them how they're doing, not just individually, but how are you doing as a father, as the, as the one looked to as the leader in this situation? Uh, that's not to take away from the unique aspect of being a, a mother going through a, a situation like this or a child. There, there's, there's unique roles but since we are three dads, mm-hmm. I think it's an opportunity just to highlight um, the role that fathers do play and must play if they if they're going to honor that that responsibility that God mm-hmm. has given them. And I praise God, for, yeah, for the testimony that you've left already mm-hmm. through this as well. I, I would add one more tidbit here too: is is mom an interesting mom? Mom's there's parts of your spouse you you know your spouse pretty well after a while, and there is a mama bear instinct mm-hmm. that comes out that is not a you know attack. It's more of a protect. Right. And, and I think that's like, there is no way, even though the, the rational part of me knew Nita needs, she's not going to get a decent night's sleep in this hospital, even though it's a very nice hospital. I feel blessed to have that facility here in town. Um, the rational part of me knows she needs to, to recharge. She's going to run out of gas here. But, but then this was, there were a few times where I, I, suggested why don't why don't babe why don't you go home tonight i'll stay 
And she's like, no, I, I'm going to stay. And, and this is where, again, I'm grateful to the Holy Spirit, where that still small voice says, don't push it. <laughs> 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 and, and I think, you know, you gotta, as you, this is why the Lord brings, um, a particular man, a particular woman together to build a family, mm-hmm. right? Is you got to rely on each other's strengths and you got to trust each other too. And, mm-hmm. um, and I just, and, all, and also above all, this is an area Nita and I were praying about the other night, trust the Lord because is there, were, you know, as you're sad looking at your child hurt and mm-hmm. there's nothing that you can really do. Um, you know what? He's, he's her father too. And yeah. he is a perfect father. And uh, I'm not, this isn't, this isn't just my kid. Um, this is his kid that he's entrusted to me and, and just relying on the Lord. And we'll continue to do that. I mean, uh, we thank God she's home, but there's a lot of follow-up to do over the, the weeks and months ahead. Uh, we'll continue to trust in him. And the other thing I would add too is, uh, as a, as a dad, you, you just, you've got to, um, I would, this is something that somebody else had shared with me. They said, whenever you can find some time to just recharge. And, and I think I was sharing with you earlier, Chris, for me, that's, that's the drive time between mm-hmm. hospital and house and then house back to hospital and back mm-hmm. and forth. Back and, forth. Um, and that's just where you, you just, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do. I, 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 but, but you do, and I don't know what to say, but you have the right words mm-hmm. and I, and I can trust in your word. You've said, I don't need to figure out what to say. You're going to help me. Mm-hmm. You're going to do it. Absolutely. And, um, and I just, I think that's good. And, and, uh, to, that was a good, good advice. A reminder to me is, is just stay. He is the source of our strength. He's the source of our wisdom. He's the source of everything. Apart from him, we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the flesh can be strong and you can seem like you're getting a lot done and feel good about what you're doing. And ultimately you run a good chance that you're not accomplishing his anything for his glory, right? Cause you're doing it on your own. <clears throat> well said. I think, um, just taking a look at the clock yeah. here. I think no. there's an interesting segue here. Ooh, um, okay. Because I've been I, waiting for this. We definitely want to get to, to our he next. He said he had a good segue before we even started recording, <laughs> and I don't know what it is. So mm-hmm. I've, I've been very curious. Well, it remains to be seen if it's good or not. I might have over, <laughs> overplayed my hand. Um, but I know we're getting into our next commandment today. Yes. And and what, I, what reminds me of our next commandment is it, I was astonished throughout this process this week at how much of the healthcare record keeping system, like it's all <laughs> electronic medical record now, how much of that, how much of the police documentation, how much of this is all, and, and I, I didn't even think about this till people start telling me about it. They're like, for the lawsuit. Like that was a foregone, that was like prominent. It's built into the system that, and we live in such a litigious society. Mm-hmm. Um, we even had, I think, really well-meaning contacts around the country, getting in touch with like saying, okay, no, this is emotional time, but make sure you do this, this, and this, and this for the lawsuit. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not even thinking about it. If anything, I feel bad for who, however this happened, feel compassion for the person. And so that got me thinking, again, I don't want to demonize anybody that's been trying to give us good uh, right. le- legal advice this week. Uh, although I think the timing could have been much better as in like, not this week. Um, but, but I would drive to this. We live in, and here's the other thing. Uh, somebody on one, you know, there's different news reports about what happened and whether it was Facebook or somewhere else, I can't remember what it was. Somebody made a comment 
Um, it was along the lines of Glado. Heard the kids are okay, but um, too bad this wasn't a UPS truck because, like, the implication being, you could have got some big bucks off of that. And I just it reminds me of this: mm-hmm. we live in this society mm-hmm. that is obsessed with gain, and my goodness, uh, if, if you're as obsessed with actually working for the gain, you'd probably be better off. But everybody's looking for this uh, this just a chance mm-hmm. to grab. And, um, and I think, you know, that, that, that's my attempt at a segue to the, to today, the command we were going to touch on today, thou shalt not steal. Now I'm not trying to say every lawsuit is unjustified. I think there is, the old Testament is actually really good on a lot of this, right? About, um, about injury and repayment of injuries and things like that. Um, but, but it sure seems like we live in a time where people are like, oh, I got a little bit of an injury here, but this is my chance to really cha-ching and cash in and take far more. Uh, there's talk of reparations now for, for injuries done to people generations back. I mean, it's just all this people trying to take what's not, what really is not theirs. Yes. And I think that you summarize well then what that commandment's all about when it says thou shalt not steal or you shall not steal if you're going to, you know, modernize it. There's something about the thou shalt that just hits harder. Mm-hmm. Don't you know what it, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that the concept of stealing there is, yeah, taking something to which you are not entitled. And there's classic examples of that where you, you know, waltz into a grocery store and you grab something that's not yours and you waltz out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also a ways in which we can try to do this even through legal means. Um, because it doesn't matter whether or not somebody on earth says you can go take that. The question is, does God say you can go take that? And if he does not see that as something to which you are rightly entitled, then then you shall not take it. And that can apply in a lot of different areas. How how would you start trying to, even as we're teaching our children, how do you begin to build a framework of those things that are appropriate and inappropriate to to possess, to take, to seek? Kim, hmm. you have more kids than I do. What do you think? Yeah, so that means you're <laughs> the expert. Ready to go. Create a framework. <laughs> Oh man! Or if you don't like frameworks, just a regular work. No, yeah, no. I'm just trying to think through that. Stick work. I've been just sitting here listening to you guys. Um, (laughs) He's going. You're lulling again. Uh, No, no, no. He's more espresso. No, I'm trying to figure out. No, I'm just trying to figure. They didn't establish a framework. They 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 established a rubric. Rubric. Yeah, we You steal something, I throw a brick at you. A rubric. Um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. One of our kids had a had a friend that was klepto, basically. <laughs> stole, stole, like, yeah, compulsive stealer, <laughs> uh, thief. It was it was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I, mean, I think trying to um, to help our children understand what uh, what they uh, own and what they don't own. I mean, ultimately, we we don't own anything, right? what has been entrusted to us yeah, uh, into our exactly. care. And so kind of, so some of the, that biblical teaching I think is, is, is important. And then, uh, yeah, what is, I mean, what does ownership look like uh, caring for things? Uh, what, you know, but then also um, the ability to, to give and to be, be grateful. I think gratitude has a lot to do with it and grateful for whatever limited resources we have so that you're not being tempted to, to steal. And I'm just kind of throwing some things out there, but I'm just trying to kind of, that's, I'm, I'm a, processor that way so what, this was i didn't know about this question before uh 
before the podcast, Chris. You always throw these curveballs at me. That's well, well, not that big of a curveball. Did your kids, and maybe this is every kid, right? The one they used to get me when they were, well, and you know what? This still comes up. This came up this morning <laughs> in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basically, because I got to something first, it means it's mine. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Finders keepers. Right. And uh, there was a whole injustice discussion that happened in Mm -hmm. the car the other day because somebody wanted to be in the front seat and the other one got there first. And, Mm -hmm. well, by age, I have rights to this. And why don't we just get in the car and drive where we're going? No, I didn't have, you know, but there is a, you know, the owner, you know, in a sense, someone has stolen my right. Um, but yeah, this stuff is, it's not just yeah. kids. It bounces around in the adult conversation too. Now sure. that, mm-hmm. that, and what, I, what the movie oceans 11 just came to mind too. Mm. Um, now I know our listeners or our listeners would not be watching secular movies, but this is one of those secular movies, but it, uh, it, it's, it's basically about a, a group of guys that go and they steal, I forget what it was, a couple hundred million bucks from mm. a casino and and that's that's the adventure. And it's actually a, a fun mm-hmm. movie, right? It's good pace, great acting, good. Uh, but the way they justify it is, well, the guy who owns the casino is a jerk. I mean, basically, I'm paraphrasing here. And 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 he was mean to one of our buddies, so we're going to show him. Mm. <laughs> so the heroes of the movie are thieves, and, and if you think about so many films, right? The heroes are are people that are right. taking something and. And, and it is funny, even though that's a movie, I think a lot of people buy into that. Like if somebody's a jerk or I've determined that they have more than they need, then it's okay to take from them, right? Mm. Uh, it's really lawless point of view. I mean, there, there's whole political movements that have, have fueled up in the last five years in particular that are based on this idea that there's something that I want – Mm-hmm. And well, I'm going to come up with some kind of a multi-generational concept that says I can take it, right? Even though mm-hmm. the person you're taking it from had nothing to do with what you're talking about. Right. It's, it's just a, it's a crazy time when the things that we mm-hmm. call our kids out for say that makes no sense. And you know it, that's immoral and you know it. Um, mm-hmm. These things have now, there's, there's efforts underway to take what is immoral and legalize it. And right. then somehow that makes it moral. Well, Are you I- kidding me? Yeah, we got kids that are entering into, well, that are in the workforce. I don't, I don't think either of you have kids that are working yet, but you start to have those conversations too, just about, you know, what is appropriate and inappropriate as far as the amount of work that you're putting in for what you're being paid, you know, and uh, and is it appropriate to kind of go, you know, oh, I'm going to just relax and slack off and do the minimum minimum possible, you know, to not get fired in a, in a job. And I mean, I, I've when I haven't been in in ministry full time mm-hmm. vocationally, I've been I've been uh, largely in management, so overseeing people, and and it's been amazing to see kind of even that shift, especially with my kids amongst their peers and, and that age group. Um, just this idea that you know I'm going to do the bare minimum uh, to to allow them you know to, for them to keep paying me, rather than kind of going you know I'll do a little more. And so you know I used even with people that I worked with, just kind of going, hey, you know. You're taking all these extra breaks, but you're being paid for all this time. You know, I know the the owner of one of the businesses that I used to work for um, would kind of go, hey, these guys are standing around all the time. Like, I always see them doing is standing around. They're not pushing a broom. They're not doing, you know, anything, you know. And it was kind of like, they're, they're, you know, they're stealing my time. They should be clocked off on break or something like that. You know, if and, and, and he wasn't wrong. I mean, in the sense that, yeah, I mean, they they should have been being faithful to get whatever done they needed to get done um, because they're, they're being paid for it. Um 
I mean, I think we can do that, um, you know, and uh, I don't know where I was going with all that, except just to say, um, I think it's harder, even talking with my kids, you know, for them, you know, harder for them to be motivated to do their best as unto the Lord and, you know, to, to work hard for their employer um, because they were paid, they're being paid to do a, a task when everybody around them is, is, um, you know, is setting the exact opposite example. Yeah. When the world is saying do as little <laughs> as possible. And if, if they want you to do more than that, they should pay you more. Right. Like, and that's kind of the idea, <laughs> even that the mindset, like I was always kind of raised with the mindset of, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best and prove myself. Not, not because I, you know, I have anything, but just because I'm going to do my best. And, and then, you know, if the owner sees that, they'll probably reward me for it. Right. Um, if, if it's worth it. Right. And instead the mindset of, well, if they want me to do more and more, they should, they should pay me for it already. And then I'll do it. I think and I was we, like, wow. Isn't that interesting too? I think we've seen the exact opposite of that played out in the last few years where, People working drive-throughs are now getting eighteen bucks an hour or whatever it is. Sure. And I think the service has gotten worse, right? Oh the, yeah. Uh, now that's not always the case, but uh, there's some folks that do good work, and you can tell the way they interact with the mm-hmm. public and whatnot. But mm-hmm. it sure seems like, yeah, that 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 idea of well, if I get paid more, then I'll do better work. That's that. If you have that mentality, I don't mm-hmm. think it matters what you get paid. You will always do the least, <laughs> right, right, least amount of work that you possibly can. I think it'll always be true in the heart of man that we would rather just try to get as much value rather than create as much value. Mm. And I think what you're talking about there is trying to build that into your children where what they're passionate about is creating value for the person that would have them in their employee. And, and that's, that's a biblical Christian character quality is to say my, my creation mandate is not to eat fruit, but to be fruitful, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's actually what I'm put here to right. do, to have dominion, uh, not to, to reap, um, the benefits of, of that, of subjugation or something like that. And so I, I, I do think that that's a heart that's behind the command that has to be inculcated. If mm-hmm. you want to prevent breaking the command, that'll come back when we get on a couple, couple weeks or a couple podcasts to the, you shall not covet. Cause I think mm-hmm. that it comes around again. They're, they're closely related, mm-hmm. but there's also just this, um, this ongoing notion of, of how we understand authority that mm. continues to play out. It's, it's behind all the commands mm. of understanding where we are rightly ordered in, in the universe that God has made, um, you, I think I remember if it was you or um, Nate or you, Caleb, that that mentioned we don't really own anything, uh, right. Caleb. Yeah. And that's true. Uh, we are stewards, right? right? And it is therefore required of stewards that they be found faithful. Right. And, and that's something I think it's important for us to teach our children is a stewardship mindset that this isn't yours in the sense of you now have independent ownership of it. But this is yours in the sense of you've been assigned responsibility for it. Mm. And there are privileges that come with that kind of stewardship. Uh, if you are given stewardship of a house, that's the house you get to be in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lucky you. Right. If it's a nice house, keep it nice mm-hmm. um, because it's not yours. Mm. Uh, but it's yours to take care of. And that's where I think we uh, – we run into where our culture's at, which is they're they're constantly trying to find ways to redefine things to make what God has not given to them as a stewardship to be theirs for their own possession and for their own use. And, and in a in a democracy or a democratic republic like ours, 
where that can become very dangerous is there will always be the opportunity for the greedy to take from others as long as they can get a greedy majority. <laughs> and that does not make it right. That does not make it okay. Uh, when when you keep hearing uh, politicians use the phrase like fair share, oh, yeah. we want them to pay their fair share. That's not what that actually means mm-hmm. because they're not saying that we've looked at this and we've decided <laughs> that this is this is going to be a just tax rate for the nation and this is going to be commensurate and, and equal. What they're saying is you have so much stuff that I want that it I've decided it's wrong if I don't take it from you. And mm-hmm. give it to me and to others. Uh, that's stealing, right? Yeah. That that is taking something you haven't been given a right to. If you look at the Heidelberg, uh, you know, confession on this, it's interesting. Mm. It says it's not only theft and robbery that are punished by the magistrate that's in view in this command, but God views as theft also all wicked tricks and devices <laughs> whereby we seek to draw to ourselves our neighbor's goods, mm. whether by force or with show of right. Uh, such as unjust weights, L's, measures, wares, coins, usury, or any means forbidden of God. So, moreover, all covetousness and all useless waste of his gifts as well. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's it's a broad concept uh, and, and one that uh, our culture is pretty lost on. Do you see... Uh, yeah, as as we're looking primarily at our families, do you see ways in which God has uniquely honored, um, either in your life or or in people around you, that things we can point to and show our our, our families, our children, and say, this is this is how God honors you if you will be very careful not to transgress uh, the lines that He has put into place. I've got one that comes to mind, and it actually connects with Josiah. Um, okay. But with I'm thinking of Jack. He's 14, and a few years back, a couple of um, um, older saints here at the church uh, got a few few boys together, guys that they'd recognize yeah. work hard, just in different settings, and and they helped them start a little business. And their goal for that wasn't to make money. In fact, the older guys didn't make squat. <laughs> uh, their goal was to mentor some young guys to understand about what, how hard work translates mm-hmm. into reward. And, and I, I so deeply then and now appreciated the investment of those guys into that enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've noticed is, and with Jack in particular, is that he's continued to do work. Um, during the summers and even during the school year with with some of the men that he came into contact with mm. through that. And what's interesting for him is he he has he, he keeps track of his time. He's always he always has a tendency, and this was his own call, praise God. He he rounds down. When in doubt he rounds down how much time he put in. Mm. There were even a few times where we talked to him about it and he's like, Well yeah, I was there, but I you know I was just kind of organizing the tools and we're like that means you're working. So like you can, you can apply that 15 minutes. That's okay. Like, and so, but what's happened, mm. what's happened with that, that attention, That's integrity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's happened with that. And he, in, in his mind, he didn't want to rip off Mr. So-and-so mm-hmm. and cause he cares about Mr. So-and-so and it's mm-hmm. obvious Mr. So-and-so cares about him. Mm. Um, That's awesome. And so what he has learned is by, by focusing on honesty and the details he gets more work, mm. and, he, and and now by word of mouth, he's been recommended to other people here in town. Um, 
And so I just, I think I look back to where did that come from? Well, some of that, thank God, you know, he would have learned at home, but he's also learned it from, from godly men that have been around him elsewhere um, in, in church primarily. And, and so what he's learned is that attention to detail results in trust. And, and one of the areas that, that I've told him, I'm like this, if you get an appreciation for that, you you are, you're, you're the currency that you're trading in is trust and respect. The money is kind of a, you know, an end result of that, but what you're really trafficking in, if you want to use the word is trust and respect yeah. in my business as a consultant, this is just common parlance in our, in our world. We trade in trust and um, the hourly rates and the fixed fees and all these different contracts and stuff, those the, you get to that, but you don't even get to that if they don't trust you. And in some cases you see companies and you see individuals mm-hmm. that are looking for the, 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 the quick score and they'll take advantage of somebody. I've been taken advantage of myself by contractors and others. And you know what? I don't hire them again. They <laughs> might've made a few grand Surprise. now, or, you know, in the, in the mm. business world, they might've made a lot of, a mm-hmm. lot of grands. <laughs> Uh, but guess what? You're never hiring you again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'll pay you, pay you, even if you took advantage of us, we'll, um, we'll make it right. We'll probably negotiate, but, but don't, you, you've burned trust. Mm-hmm. And so I think with the kids it's, uh, it, and in, in Josiah, it was one of those hardworking guys back in the day, um, with, uh, with that little enterprise. But I just, I think there's something to be said for the kids. You work hard, you see other people slacking off. And you might think there's some attraction to that, but that is just mm-hmm. short-term thinking. Those people, guess who else sees those guys slacking off the management? Right. And uh, when and right now, people might be getting away with it because companies are desperate for employees, but this right. won't last. No. You, uh, every, every manager knows the people they're going to get rid of. Uh, sooner or later and replace <laughs> and replace the people that they can trust and respect. Well said. I think it's also an opportunity to do a short rabbit trail on the implications that a command like this even has on, on how a society views property on how a society reviews the lines that have to be respected between people. Uh, commands like this end up, for example, ruling out things like communism and socialism. Yeah. Because it is predicated on an understanding of individual property. Mm. That there are things that belong to individuals that you are not allowed to go and take away from their control. Um, you always have a right as an individual to be generous with the assets you're responsible for. And so if you wanted to sell all of your goods and give them to the poor, you can do that. There is there is nothing preventing you from doing that. If you vote to have a government take all the goods away from all the people, you have now facilitated wickedness uh, by creating the involuntary confiscation of that to which a government is not entitled. And that uh, I think sometimes gets muddied in Christian circles because we look at the early church in Acts and we see them having all things in common and we say, well, then wouldn't that just be great if we could end all the evils of capitalism by just centralizing all the resources and getting rid of individual ownership. But that's not how God designed the world to work. Mm. That's not the way in which he wants righteousness to unfold. Uh, He desires that people would be entrusted with things that he has given to them, that they've acquired through righteous means. And if it's acquired through unrighteous means, that's the, that is the magistrate's job. Mm. 
But if it's been acquired through righteous means, then they have been entrusted to those that have received the fruits of those, those labors and those means. And it is now incumbent upon them before God to decide how the, those, those resources will be expended. And to coerce that uh, is, is actually a great evil. And behind that great evil is often just a gnawing greed, a mm. gnawing covetousness that has been given a veneer of respectability because we say we're doing it in the name of the little guy. And no, that's not the goal. Uh, a lot of that's behind even discussions of of equity and, and words yeah. like that in our <laughs> culture where the assumption is evil has taken place until we all have the same amount. And God's been very clear throughout his word. That's not how he works. Mm. He gives to some a lot. He gives to some a little. And that actually can work out in a wonderful way for the mutual benefit of all. But only if we will respect the lines that, that he's drawn. And so for us, I think as, as fathers, you've mentioned already, uh, teaching your children contentment, teaching them to be, to be happy with what they have been given. That is huge. If they're always looking over the fence at the neighbor kid and his new Xbox or his new trampoline or whatever it is, and, oh, I wish I had one of those. And those are our opportunities to step in and say, hey, let's talk about coveting <laughs> what mm. our neighbor possesses <laughs> and where that, where that leads. And have you stopped to look around at the good gifts God has given mm. you? And do you think that you have more potential for joy with a new Xbox than you do running around playing with a stick in the backyard. <laughs> That's a hard issue, not a hardware issue, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I think if we're able to create con children that are content mm -hmm. to find their joy in what God has given, um, then those are the kind of people that when they go out and God entrusts them with resources, will be able to use them well and steward them well. But they're also the kind of people that will protect the lines that God has drawn in between people's assets and, and not be, caught up in wicked devices uh, mm. to to steal their neighbor's goods. I uh, I might be opening Pandora's box here. Why not? Uh, We're about an hour. It's a perfect time perfect to open time. it. <laughs> and before I proceed, I, I want to reiterate that we are called to respect the authorities God has put into place. <laughs> now, having said that... This feels like one of those, I love you, but... <laughs> And, and I'm talking about civil authorities, of course. Okay. Uh, but I, having yep. said that, that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't. I mean, we respect mm -hmm. them. It doesn't mean that we can necessarily that we're compelled to agree with with the sins of our civil authorities. And mm -hmm. I think, in fact, we must not agree with the sins of our so civil authorities. It's a challenge, right? How do you show respect and disagree? Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think probably the single greatest. Um sinner in this area of theft in our time these time today in this mm -hmm. society is government um i it, you know it's interesting to hear government officials talk about penalizing owners of companies uh for for succeeding when these are companies that we all voluntarily do business with right amazon doesn't force me to buy anything Amazon doesn't force anyone to buy anything. It's a voluntary transaction. Microsoft didn't force anyone to buy something. You can, there's a lot of anti-Microsoft people that buy other things. And yet the owners of these companies and some of the prominent owners of these companies are regularly villainized by elected officials as having somehow taken more than their fair share. Now right. I have no interest in defending billionaires. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's meaningless to me if it, 
But what strikes me as interesting is think about the the places that your money goes voluntarily, and then think about the places your money goes involuntarily. The mm-hmm. involuntary is always government. Now, taxes are, I think, at some point, it's certainly valid, valid, right? Yes, and God legitimizes taxes and that he instituted them even within the theocracy of Israel. Sure. Public, mm-hmm. I mean, all, defense, there's so many different utilities that benefit the citizenry that mm-hmm. must be funded. And I think taxes are a perfectly legitimate form a method by which that is accomplished. But somewhere along the line, taxes in this country have gone beyond that. Now mm-hmm. it's a method by which we penalize people to steal what they mm-hmm. have so that we can, quote unquote, redistribute to the needy. Right. But what that really means is redistribute throughout the bureaucratic class that has emerged. And so I think this is an area uh, here locally, you know, and I'll bring this up carefully here locally. We were just talking about this. Our property taxes go up steadily every year. And by steadily, you mean precipitously. Yes. yes. <laughs> based on market, based on market values that none of us are benefiting from. Exactly. Yeah. Well, right. And when we do sell, that's the only time we would realize any financial benefit of a real estate boom. We will pay a, hef- a hefty excise tax to the, go- to the government. I understand that. I'm not disagreeing with that. But this area of being taxed steadily more and more and more based upon a subjective valuation by someone driving around mm-hmm. saying, yep, that looks like it's worth how many hundreds of thousands. Now, am I saying local government shouldn't have <laughs> revenue? Of course not. But they're kind of nosy. Have you noticed <laughs> one of the guys at our church went to go dispute uh, his uh, resolution. He's a, he's a nice guy. And he was just, so why'd you put this down? Well, it's because of this and this. And, well, what made you think that? Well, I was walking around your backyard and I noticed this and this. And he's like, wait, you were on my property walking around without permission? Right. He's like, yeah, I guess that is kind of an issue. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Even if if I gave them quarter and said, yeah, you can walk my yard, I do not understand how this potential sales price, because I'm not selling, has any bearing on what I owe local government. I, I have to say, of all the taxes that we pay, and we pay, if you add it all up, sales tax, fuel tax... You know, it's it's in excess of 40% of our annual income. People are like, oh, Canada, they're taking it. Yes, they are. But it's not much better down here. We're nickel and um, diamond it. <laughs> and, and so, again, I'm not I'm not one of these people that's like, I'm not paying taxes. Because that's, first no. of all, that's wrong. Right. And it's not even logical. But what I do think is crazy is, is how people's, mm-hmm. um, and I just, I use property tax because it's the close to home one, right? It's an area that is stealing taking more and more and more just because you can and it is mm-hmm. stealing and it is it is theft by people that are essentially carrying a title and just because you've been publicly elected doesn't mean that you can steal because that's what it is mm, right. now now people would argue well Nate it just takes money to keep the roads up and all that I agree. And fortunately, we are starting to see some of the result of that. But again, this idea that we can subjectively assess Mm -hmm. your asset, take more money from you, and then make it nearly impossible for you to challenge it is it's inappropriate. And then, of course, the response is, we'll just elect other people. Okay, we can try that. But I, I just go back to I think it's important. To, mm-hmm. to say this out loud. And I'm not an anti-government but the, but guy. But the elect other people argument is an argument for how to fix the problem. It's not actually an argument against that it is a problem. <laughs> right, right. And by the <laughs> right, way, so. no matter who you elect, this stuff keeps on going. It's more right. of a, you want to talk about systemic, it's that. So I, I but I, I come back to, I think it's interesting 
that the very entity in our country that is supposed to mm-hmm. protect the citizenry from theft right. has become the primary thief and in terms of dollars, just straight up dollars. Right. Now I'm not an anti-government guy. I think you guys know, I'm probably I'm, people in my, in, in Eastern Washington, they probably think that guy they probably think I'm some kind of flaming liberal actually, mm. uh, because I do tend to not have as right, if you want to call it politics, but there is certain <gasps> things that on the face of it, on the face of it are obviously wrong and just relabeling it or legalizing it is wrong. Another example of this, yeah. Watching the clock. Another example of this. When I was living, we got Nate going here. Yes, yes. Injustice drives me crazy, and I hate it too. When just because people don't like something, they call it injustice. It's like, no, that's not injustice. That's just consequence of bad behavior. Right. Um, but yeah. uh, when we lived down in California, I uh, I had the unfortunate experience of getting a traffic ticket by mail, and <laughs> as I opened it up, it it, it accused me of uh, having. Turned done a California stop, which ah. I'm in California, right? But uh, but you know, not coming to a complete stop before turning right at a red light. And uh, first, I thought that's crazy. I'm a safe driver. But then when I clicked on the link with the video, I was like, ooh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty obvious. So um, <laughs> totally guilty, justice, <laughs> and I deserve the ticket. What I did not deserve was a five hundred and two dollar ticket for this infraction uh, with required. Um, uh, driver's school, which uh, is subsidized by the government there. So, so at this point, I'm wow. thinking... They didn't throw the book at you. They threw wow. the whole shelf. And they threw it in a, in a single-page um, letter to me, right? Now, when I dug into that, people are probably like, Nate, you big whiner. You should have just paid it because you were guilty. Yes, I was guilty. But at the time, I remember thinking, you know, $150 would be more appropriate than 500 Doing a little bit of research on this, most people just pay the bill because government is an yeah. intimidating thing. Don't yes. tangle with them. Just pay your money because we'll come after you. Um, but I did a little bit of research on this. Now, this is the part where I thought this is taking advantage of the citizenry because I'm, I'm just one person. I think at the time, California did three to $4 billion of revenue in traffic citations per oh. year. It was insane. Um, and you know, that's a budget line item too. Right? Totally. <laughs> they depend on it, right? Yeah. So um, as I dug into it, well, of that 502, 100 and some dollars was for the infraction. A 200 of it was for the company that owned the camera and processes the paperwork that mailed the ticket to my house. So they've outsourced this bad boy. The remainder of it, part of it was for a firehouse replacement in some other town. And another portion of it was for upgrades to a local fire state or a police station. Right. Mm -hmm. This is theft. You take the fun now. But by the way, I got. But it's out also of it. easy to pass because oh. on a if you're trying to get people to vote for something, we'll make bad guys pay for this. Yeah. yeah. And then in the small print, and after you sign this, we'll make all of you bad guys. <laughs> you so. know, I challenged it, and by the way, the whole thing was thrown out, but not because it was immoral. It is immoral, by the way. It's. It, I mean, it wouldn't matter if it was my ticket, Caleb, or if it was yours. Mm-hmm. If you explain the situation, I've been like, that is stealing. You owe one hundred and fifty or one hundred seventy-five dollars mm-hmm. for the fine, but just because you can, now we're going to lop on another three hundred right. and some dollars uh, because we've got you where you want you. That is stealing. And, and I think what's happened in our country is we have just grown accustomed to it. Yes. We're so used to taking advantage of a situation um, that even if you, if the three of us wouldn't do it, we've just kind of grown to accept it because mm-hmm. it's the quote unquote fallen world we live in, yeah. but it's still wrong. Yeah. Take 
take our, just take our, your daily life. Like think of the last week, everything you've had to interact with and deal with. If you took out government thievery and all of the, the ensnarling tendrils of a litigious, litigious society, like you're describing earlier, just, just imagine the, the freedom you would be breathing right now. I mean, just <laughs> what a nightmare it is uh, to mm. do anything. I'm mean, even here at the church. It's been every time we talk about, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this for some people that seems like somehow like our insurance company agents can smell it. And somehow they always end up waltzing <laughs> in like somehow later that week. I heard there was talk of doing this and you really need this coverage and that coverage and this coverage and that coverage because <laughs> you could get sued for this and sued for that and sued for the other thing. How many wonderful things have never happened just because you can't survive <laughs> the greed of people who will take advantage of every opportunity they can. Right. That's that's sad. Well, and the very ones that protect you in this case, you know, and I'm not trying to, mm -hmm. you know, be aggressive against the insurance industry, but uh, they have everything to gain by create by identifying more risks that must be covered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right. The, the premiums go up. Exactly. There's an interesting now we don't have time for this to go down <laughs> this rabbit hole. But in the geopolitical <laughs> in the geopolitical world. Um, yeah. The very nature of global shipping, which is the mm -hmm. lifeblood of everything we eat, everything we hold or consume or buy, yep. would not happen without global shipping. If those insurance companies stop insuring those boats, everything stops. Right. And so like insurance is kind of like the underpinnings of everything. So I just, I think, but, but what, what, why is that insurance necessary? It's necessary in part because of like piracy and bad guys blowing mm -hmm. up things. It's also necessary in part because of how litigious everything is. Right. The drop of a hat, people are suing. At the drop of the hat, uh, people are always trying to get leverage. And so I think the challenge for for us as Christian mm -hmm. guys is here we sit complaining about it. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to be to vocalize, hey, that's wrong. Um, I had a landlord once that took advantage of me in this way, and um, and actually was here locally. We uh, we had rented the house for for the period of time, and then we were we needed to go. He was actually going to sell it, so we were moving out, and we we're going to looking for a new house to buy, which is what brought us to this side of the valley. But as we um, as I walked him around the uh, the house, and he saw that we'd taken great care of it. He even said, "This is amazing." He was never used to checking out of a place where, like, if we if we had a nail hole, we'd already patched it, and like everything about mm -hmm. it. Um, and, uh, and he went from amazing within 48 hours saying, I'm going to keep your whole security deposit because I noticed, you know, such part of the back lawn there was, was uh, not water. We're like, well, you don't have a sprinkler system. So anyway, the, I remember the conversation where I said to, and, and eventually he took most of the security deposit. And this is where, this is where Nate's failings come through, right? <laughs> the feeling of injustice is, uh, is, is hard to swallow. But I remember saying to him. I'm going to pay what we agreed, but I want you to know you are taking advantage of me simply because you can, and it's immoral. It's unethical. I thought more of you and you've, you I forget how I, you know, you've disappointed me and we're going to pay this because you have leverage, but I want you to know, look at him in the eye. I know what you're doing and it's wrong and I won't ever do business with you again. 
And, and I don't think that's unchristian to call that out. In fact, I think, and I'm not trying to harm him, but I think when, when, when wrong no, is being done, it yeah. should be called out. And even if it's being done by someone with a badge, or even it's been done with mm-hmm. somebody with a title like mayor or assessor, whatever these titles are, yeah. congressman or senator or president, we, we can respect them. And still call out mm-hmm. the evil, the sin, the wrong, the theft for what it is. Correct. Absolutely. And if we're unwilling to do so, then it will multiply. Right. And that's one of the one of the principles of wisdom literature. Ecclesiastes talked about that quite a bit. If you do not call evil evil, then it it gives it more room, more room to grow. Yeah. Uh, what a a blessing it will be by God's grace to see. What would happen as, as take a city like ours uh, if you if you imagine two or three generations on from now, how many businesses, how many officials, how many uh, police officers as as children who are raised with integrity and understand these principles go into those places? That just will be such a blessing, mm. right? If you just know, mm. okay, if you go into this hardware store, they're going to charge you a fair price. And if you go to this place, they're going to, they're going to shoot straight with you. And if officer so-and-so pulls you over, he's going to treat you with respect and it'll be for the right reasons. And if you get called in front of this judge, you know that they're going to deal with you equitably and uh, in the right sense of the word, according to the law. And, and that, that's the world we would all like to live in. Yeah. And there's, there's such a straight, easy, clear line between, Thou shalt not steal and and love your neighbor <laughs> as mm. yourself, right? It's just um, it it is love on display, and if we're willing to love people like that, then that may mean that there are things we could have taken for ourselves that we don't. But I'm thinking of this this landlord uh, that you were dealing with. There's no way he drove home a happy man, <laughs> no, with that check, right? There's just there's no way, yeah, um, and. And we have to put such a high premium on the value of a clear conscience, right? The value of integrity and, and a sound reputation before the Lord uh, that, that we just aren't tempted by, by the, that trivial, that fruit looks good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, going all the way back to the mm-hmm. garden. But you know who comes to mind here? Maybe this is a good place for us to wrap. We're fair enough. Fair Let's do it. This is, uh, is the, the example of Esther. And Mordecai, and if you think back to the details of that story, someone, a government official, was trying to legalize something evil, and a big, yeah, ev- kind of bad, kind of bad, like Exter- genocide. Well, and, and, and think <laughs> about the full motive too. It was extermination of a people so that you can have their stuff. Mm-hmm. That was because he had a personal vendetta against basically Mordecai. That we're talking about Haman here, the villain. Um, he had a personal vendetta against Mordecai because he'd been disrespected, but he had a, a larger issue against the people of Israel, a right. racist intent. Mm-hmm. Right. Going and, all the way back to uh, Agag. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, the only way he knew he could motivate the populace to get in on his his desire to exterminate these people was to tap into their greed. And uh, and I think it's interesting that an example of a government trying to legalize murder for the purpose of greed, greedy gain. And I think what's great too, is how God had placed Mordecai and his niece Esther in a position to intervene and be used by the Lord 
uh, it shows that not only did God protect his people, but he protected this the, the, in, in the midst of all this is, is a sanctity of personal property. Um, your life is, is something that ought to be protected. And just because some government bureaucrat decides that, oh, I'm going to find a way to take what's not mine and redistribute it to the na- to the rest of the nation. That was the, that was the jig that was, that he was the trap mm-hmm. he was setting. Um, you see how someone, uh, in that case, you see how someone like Esther had the char- had been risen, had been raised with the character uh, to make some difficult choices, risky choices, also had the wisdom to enlist, to, to reach out for the wisdom of her uncle. So, I mean, to just kind of bring this full circle back, I don't think we're simply talking about, um, you know, uh, a political view here. I think we're going, hopefully what we've conveyed is something that is is a biblical view and how mm-hmm. God God has a certain way of doing things. and. And just because you have the power or the ability to take something, and even if you found a way to legalize it, doesn't mean you're morally right. Right. Otherwise, it it just grows so quickly from the individual who will not respect to the, the local institutions who will not respect to the nation that won't respect. Uh, and then it's and then you're living in fear all the time. Yeah. Well, as we close here, I certainly hope that we have not tried, inspired anyone to go throw rotten fruit at City Hall or anything like that. That That, that is the disrespect that at the onset of this whole thing, we're able to respect our civil well, authorities. Maybe run for office there. <laughs> yeah. If somebody knows how to deal with these kinds of, I do think there's some, some, some right ways to do this because yeah. as our, t- our town is growing by, by, a lot of people are moving here, and I think that is a blessing, right? Um, but I think there's certain ways to prepare that t- the town for continued growth and keep it a place that people want to continue living in instead of a place that people feel they have to escape from. Mm-hmm. Right. Here, here. Well, guys, thank you for making the time today. I appreciate, too, the time to talk about what's been going on in our family Um and and greatly appreciate uh, the way you both have reached out, the way you've prayer, prayed faithfully on our behalf. Thank you for that. And to those listening in, I know a lot of you too have have demonstrated love for us, and I thank you for that. And thank you for your prayers. With that, guys, I think this is probably a good time to sign off. We've all got places to go and uh, and people to uh, return to. It's great catching up with you. Thanks a lot, guys, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in to us here on Bombadil's Porch. 